So I had a dentist appointment this week, and uh, I don't know, I have mixed feelings about dentist appointments. I don't, I'm not afraid of a dentist, but I've just gotten some bad news in my life, so I'm always a little nervous. Uh, and I've, I've had challenges with my teeth, like for years and years. And I kind of take it as like personal failure. If you're someone who's like, man, you have cavities, or I've got some crowns, and the, the, all the root canals, all the things. And I kind of take it like, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed of that. I really am. Like, I don't, I don't like that my teeth are that way. I don't know if I have metal in my teeth. And when I was college age, I had, I had a bunch of teeth that were just, I was struggling with. I didn't have any money, so I just pulled them out. I have like one molar on my bottom. I'm, I'm serious, like combining the kids' notes. It's super sad. I'm not, I'm not proud of that. And you guys are like, wow, that's weird. What a weirdo. I didn't know it was that much better than you. Um, but, but it's been like a climb. I work hard, you know, and I'm not a candy guy or, or soda or whatever. I don't know if it's genetics or whatever it is. I work hard, and I've, I've kind of got to the point where they, they've stabilized, right? I've got some things done, and, and I feel you know, pretty good about them. Generally, I go to dentists. It's not like a, a huge thing's going to happen. And um, so I go this week, and you know, I've kind of been on this, on this climb, getting out of getting my teeth in a good place. And there's a new hygienist, new to me. I hadn't, hadn't, uh, hadn't seen her before. And she's just kind of going through all this stuff with me about like how I, how, what my, what my habits are, what my like oral hygiene habits are. She's like, oh, did you br- do you brush twice a day? I'm like, yes, I brush twice. She's looking in my mouth, asking these questions, right? And I'm already kind of feeling like heavily judged anyway when someone's looking in your mouth. You brush twice a day? I'm like, like, yes, I brush twice a day. Like, you know, and she's like, well, you know, or mostly twice a day. And yeah, I, I brush my teeth twice a day, sometimes more. And she's like, do you, do you floss? You know, always the floss question. And I'm like, yeah, probably a few times a week, which I do. And, and, um, and she said, what kind of toothbrush do you have? And I said, oh, I have one of those clips. And it's like, do you know to change the batteries on it? It's like an electric toothbrush thing. I'm like, yeah, why is she like grilling me? Like, how bad does it look in there? Like, why are you asking me these kind of questions? And I kid you not, she asked me at one point, after she goes with the question, she said, do you use toothpaste? Do you use toothpaste? Do I use toothpaste? Nancy, I'm sorry, we're done. I'm, I, I can't do this anymore. Do I use toothpaste? Man, I was so offended. Like, oh gosh, this has got to be terrible in there right now. But she told me that. And, and she goes through my mouth and does the gums and, and like, just had a lot to say about everything. And at the end of the, the time, you know, before the doctor comes in to look at us, like, all right, well, you know, we'll see you in six, six months. Just, you know, keep doing what you're doing, kind of. But I was already like way shooken up. And she's like, yeah, oh, I should go and get a water pick and all these things. I'm like, all right, whatever. The doctor comes, he takes a look at my mouth in like 20 seconds. He goes through and he says, looks good, keep it up. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you, doctor. Do you hear that, Nancy? Looks good. I needed to hear that from the doctor. Like I was just getting grilled by the hygienist and good for her, it's her job. But it was nice to hear from someone and tell me, looks good, keep it up keep going. You can, you, you're doing fine, right? Just, just keep it up. I needed that because we just get beat down sometimes by mean hygienists, right? We all have those in our life. It's a boss, it's a friend, it's a family member. Just kind of beating you down. They ask you questions or treat you like you're, you're a disaster, like you're not taking care of yourself, you're a failure. And you wear that. It's hard. It, it weighs on you, right? And all of us are in this, we're in a new season. We've been in like this new season, uh, for many of us, an unwanted and unwelcome season, whether, whether that has to do with your job or it's certainly for many of us, it's our kids and navigating that. Uh, you know, if you're in education, there's, there's a lot of challenges. There are so many things. different sectors of our life have been disrupted. We're in the season that is here. Uh, none of us really would have asked for. We don't want it. It's, it's, it's kind of unwelcome. And it's a season for you, for us, that we know we can get through, right? I, I know I can get through this, but also not sure if you can. I've ever been there. Like, I know I can get through this, but I'm also not sure if I can. 
I'm not sure. I, I think I can, but I'm not sure. And it's a time, it's, man, I just want to get out of this. I just want to be done. Right? And we want to live these kingdom productive lives, right? lives that are a blessing to other people, lives that are full and fruitful. And many times we're kind of beat up, or we're in a season where we're just taking the hits. Even if you're getting by, you find yourself in a place where you'd rather just take cover than take ground. Right? We want to be taking productive ground in our lives, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, financially. All those things are important. But when we're beat up, man, I just want to take cover. And we almost need someone to say sometimes, you're doing great, you look good, keep going. Keep going. You got this. And so the story today is an Old Testament story that I've just been like marinating on, musing on all week, and it's this, it's this cool little, little moment in the life of Elijah. And this story is a moment that many of us have been through. Many of us have been through. Some are there now. When we get into this, some are there now. But I think all will experience at one point or the other. And it goes like uh, this is in um, 1 Kings 19. And we're deep in the Old Testament here, deep in the time of kings. This is around 900 B.C. Uh, we're, we've got a bad king on the throne. He's from a line of other bad kings. This is like the worst of the bad kings. This guy Ahab and, and his queen Jezebel. We're in northwest Israel. It's, a, it's kind of a developing part of the world, and it's, it's um, you know, there's been a lot of conflict and a lot of back and forth and a lot of, a lot of power grabs. And there's this story of, of Elijah, this guy Elijah, and, and many of you have heard of him if you've been around the church at all, but he was a prophet, an Old Testament prophet, one of the greatest to ever live, one of the most amazing men of faith that we'll ever learn about. And this guy, he would pray, and, 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 the, and the rains would stop, and he would pray again, and, and the rains would come. He had been provided for by like flocks of flock of ravens would bring him food. I mean, this is a guy who, who, who raised people from the dead. He has prayed in, in, a, in, a, in a flower jar and oil would just continue to produce and continue to give and give. This is a man who knows the power of prayer and the provision of God, maybe like no one else. He knows the power of prayer and the provision of God. And he's just come off this huge victory. The story in Kings 18 that, that maybe you've heard before, and he's, he goes against all these prophets, 850 false prophets, and they're chanting, and they're trying to summon their gods. And Elijah wants, just needs to summon the one true God. And the one true God proves himself faith, faithful, and it drives off all these false prophets, and they, they end up being put, put to death. But right after this, it goes like this, and, and the rains have come, and it's this huge victory. So there's been this famine in the land for years, three years, this famine, there's drought, no, no water, and, and Elijah you know, prays, and it begins to rain again. Huge victory. It goes like this in, in uh, chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, how he had killed the prophets with the sword. So they, they, were, they were on the prophet's side. They funded the prophets. Like they loved the prophets. Those were their guys. So the king and his queen, they loved these, these false prophets. They loved these other gods. And so Ahab says, hey, man, Elijah like, ruined everything for us. He, he not only won the victory with, with, with his God, now he's put all our guys to death. And so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, says this, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. You know, I, I, if I do not take your life like you've done to my prophets. And so Elijah hears this. He gets this message. It says this, he was afraid, verse 3. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Like he's just gone head to head with 850 really gnarly dudes in front of everybody. But he gets this word that the queen's after him and he runs for his life. 
This is when he came to Beersheba in Judah. He left his servant there. He was traveling with someone. He left his servant. And while he himself went another day's journey into the wilderness. Right? He's traveled about 80 miles from where they were in, in, this, in this prophet battle in Carmel. He goes about 80 miles away. And then he goes further a day into the wilderness just to, just to hide. Just so that no one would find him. So he came to a broom brush. It's just a shrubby tree. It's kind of desert shrubby tree. And he sits down under it. And he prayed. Because he was desperate. And so he goes to prayer. And listen to this prayer. He prayed that he might die. Man of faith. Powerful man of faith. Seen, seen God's miracle and provision. He gets down under this tree in the wilderness. And he prays that he might die. He said, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And he lay down under this bush and he falls asleep. Man of faith, no other. He's just beat up. He's worn out. He's tired. He just wants to be done. Take my life, God. I am no better than anybody else. I can't do this. I would rather die. And he prays that he would die. He didn't pray for, for help. He didn't pray for provision. He didn't pray for a miracle. He didn't pray for strength. He just prayed that I'd be, God, take my life. I can't do it. And what a honest, what an honest prayer. It's just dripping with honesty. And I love the text, our, our text, the Bible. All these stories of men of faith, really, our, our favorite ones, all have, all have failure, all have moments of weakness. Right? Moses, Abraham, David, Peter, everybody. And so we have this glimpse into Elijah's story after a huge victory and more to come. In a moment where he's just depressed in the wilderness. Can't do it, Lord. I'd rather die. I'd rather die. It's his prayer. And at once, an angel touches him. So he's, so he's falling asleep in the, in the wilderness. This angel touches him and says, get up and eat. Elijah's like, what? Angel says, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey ahead is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. This is also Mount Sinai, if you're familiar. Gets to Mount Sinai. And there he went into a cave and he spent the night. And, 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 and the story will continue on. He spends this, cave, this night in this cave and he encounters God in this cave. God speaks to him in, in this cave in a whisper. Some translation might read, in the silence, God was there with him. And then God speaks and gives him direction and reveals a plan and says, you're still my guy. But after he had been about ready just to call it quits, and then God provided for him anyway. And God ministered to him. This is really all there is today. This is, this is, this is, I've been loving this this week. God ministered to Elijah's physical needs. And this is not always his, his order, right? God is, 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 is spiritual and, and he cares for our, our physical. But we're both, we're integrated. But his physical needs are important. Elijah's physical needs are important. And sometimes the most spiritual thing a person can do is get enough rest and replenishment. He's just beat up. He's done. You need nourishment. You need nourishment. Some texts say in the New Testament, love the Lord your God with what? Your mind, body, soul. Right? With all your strength. All these things. God didn't say, hey, wake up, Elijah. I've fixed your problems. Taking care of the queen. You're good. He woke him up and said, I have provided you with some strength to keep going. Right? We've talked about this here. What he calls us to, he provides for. He provided him with the strength to keep going. He didn't fix the problem. What he calls us to, he provides for. And Elijah knew this. 
He knew this of anybody. Right? Some of us are like that. If you've been walking with God for a number of years, you know. You know the stuff. You know the verses. You've had some experiences. You know. But over time, over getting beat down enough times, even with victories, sometimes we find ourselves running. Sometimes we still find ourselves in the wilderness under a bush just depressed. Even though you should know better, it still catches up with us. We just wear, it wears us down. Elijah wanted to be done. He wanted to be done. He's on the run. Here's the great thing. When we're running, God is still working. You may be trying to get in the opposite direction. While you're running, God is working. While you're worrying, God is working. Right? While you're sleeping, God is working. While you're depressed, God is working. Elijah woke up to provision, to strength, to some hope. You know, when you walk into something you think is going to be a really overwhelming job, maybe it's, a, maybe it's at the house or it's at work or some project at school, this is going to be overwhelming, and you get to it and you find out someone else has already been working on it, and they're like halfway done, if not more, or they finished it, and you don't have to do the whole thing. That's what God's doing. He's at work, whatever those situations are. Hopefully God's at work over there because, whew, we got ambulance and I'm sure it's fine. Just give me a report back or something. Um, <laughs> but he's at work, right? When you, when you come, I, I feel like this sometimes when I go to the dishwasher in the morning, I'm assuming it's going to be full. I'm like, it's empty, sweet. God was working while I was sleeping. It's a, you like that? It's amazing, right? But that is the case. Elijah's done. God wasn't done. God didn't pause. Like, all right, well, I'll wait for you to rest, and then I'll get back involved. God's involved right then in the wilderness while he's asleep, while he's depressed, while he's over it, while he's praying, take my life. God is working. He's always working. Even when you're running, even when you've been out of it for a while, God will bring us through all kinds of stuff. And Elijah here, he, he is us. Right? We know God is good enough. Right? We know God is enough. God can do it. We know that. I know God's enough. I know God can do it. But am I enough? Am I enough? I know God's enough, but am I? Elijah, I think he just ran out of himself. Man, I've seen God do stuff, but I can't do it anymore. Right? And often the reason we say, I've had enough, I've had enough. So you don't think that you are enough. And God wants to bring us through those places. Those are learning places. Those are places for character right at the end. But it's not to finish. It's not to finish. It can be hard. God doesn't count something as good, right? So we, we, God is good and he wants our lives to be good. But listen, God doesn't count something as good based on how it feels while it's happening. Right? Some experiences are rough while they're happening. They hurt while they're happening. They're hard while they're happening still be good if it serves his purpose for your life. And I love that God met Elijah right where he was at with what he needed. Right? Some bread and a cold drink. Right? They let him take a nap. Right? Some of us need that. Right? I know like carbs are the enemy of everybody, but man, nice, fresh, warm piece of sourdough with some butter on it. Lay down and take a nap. Come on. You're going to be ready to go. God met him here. Now, there's some spiritual advice in that. Here's some fresh bread and a cold one. Take your time. Right? Get some rest. You'll feel better. We're not done. There's a journey ahead. I mean, that is such the, like, the power of like a cold beer sometimes. You know that. Someone's going through something. 
right? Or a glass of wine. It's like, man, I just need a cold one. You sit down, you feel better. God meets him there. I don't think, I don't, it doesn't say it was beer, but it might have been. Just, they come out to cover that up. Might have been a cold beer. But he feels better. He meets him where he's at. And then Elijah goes on this journey. He wasn't there now. He's going to Mount Sinai. This is far. 40 days. 40-day journey. This is like 200 miles. 200 miles. And so Elijah got up, and he didn't have to go right to work, whatever the next thing was for him, because he's going to get some direction. He's going to go find a, a predecessor or a successor, and he's going to go and, uh, and speak to these kings. He's got a list of stuff to do. We would find that out later in the chapter, but not now. No, now you, now you eat, you drink, get some rest. We're going to go on a long walk together, Elijah. 40 days, Mount Sinai. He's like, I want to meet you on Mount Sinai. And this shows that God did not demand an immediate recovery from Elijah. He's not like, I'd right, snap out of it, let's go. Right? He allowed the prophet time to recover from his physical, emotional, spiritual depression. And I love the sensitivity of God just in this little moment. He sees his servant, his son, someone who he loves, feeling beat up, feeling beat down. God's like, all right, get you something to eat. We're going, to get, we're going to take this little, little, little detour for 40 days. I'm going to talk to you. Not all right, get up and let go, get going. I'm going to have our worship team come up, actually. I think we'll Noah's here, yeah. Start to close out. And I love that God didn't send a message to Elijah that sounded like a criticism. Right? He, he's depressed in the middle of the desert praying that he would die. <laughs> right? And God didn't, didn't send him a criticism. God didn't say, hey, wake up. Why are you so tired? Why are you so tired? Or one of the most hurtful phrases in our language, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you, Elijah? What's wrong with you? No, that, that's not the heart of God. What's wrong with you, Elijah? Are you praying enough? Are you reading your Bible? Are you staying accountable with your friends? How's your giving? You've been giving? No. He offers him food and drink. Let's him, lets him catch his breath. And those things, other things are good things, right? But what he needed right then was to be refreshed. He needed to be built up, not torn down. Right? Maybe you need that right now. Maybe you need that right now. Maybe you need to be built up and refreshed. Maybe you need to hear you're doing great. Keep going. Keep going. We're not done. We're not done here. Maybe you've been there before and you can be a blessing to someone else. How can you refresh somebody else? How can we be that angel in the middle of the night? Somebody wakes up to you and like, oh wow, what a blessing. Food and drink? I had a nap? Okay, maybe I can do this. How can we be people who refresh? Because as God refreshes us, may we refresh others to keep going. To not be so beaten up, I am a failure, I can't do it, I should just die, I'm, I'm just like my ancestors. Right? And too often we prescribe, like the hygienists are asking all these hard questions. But I don't know, I don't see that from God here. I saw, he saw a guy just at the end of himself, and he showed up in the night with some, some bread and, and water. And what a gift that that's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve. I'm going to pray. God, I thank you for your story. Just the honesty of, of the Bible, Lord. And a faith is struggling at the end of it. Pray for anyone right now. They just feel like, man, I feel like I'm that. I'm just praying for all to be over. God, I pray for refreshing. 
Pray for refreshing over those weary, tired souls right now. Those minds, those hearts that are just worn out. You feel like you're done. You're not enough. But you are. You are. Because God has created you and designed you. He will equip you for the journey. So I pray for the refreshing right now as we sing. And just for those of us, please, may we be refreshers of others. Use us, Lord. Use us to refresh this, this, this city that we live in, God. The weary, tired, beat-down souls, Lord. May we be a place of, of, of fresh, cold water and warm bread. We love you, God. Thank you for who you are.